Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to the Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to the Missed Apex Podcast. I'm joined by Matt Trumpets. Hey, Spanners. How you doing? Yeah, I don't know what we're going to talk about this week, Matt. F1, it's just so boring. I know. There's barely anything to be said about it these days. So boring, uh, according to everyone on the internet, about four or five days ago. So I hope all those people who said they were going to quit watching F1 actually did. I'm sure that they did, because people always do exactly what they say on the internet. (laughs) Is it the equivalent of running away from home? I'm never watching F1 again. And then they go around the block, realize they're hungry, and look, they're, they're back watching. They're back again, absolutely. So we're recording this just two hours after the race, and in some ways that is super awesome, because it's still fresh in my mind, but also quite frightening. Oh, yes, it, it is. And, and, and a little bit, a little bit tight on timeline for me. Yes, and apologies, we were a few minutes late starting with the live stream, so thank you to anyone who's uh, who's born with us, who's bared with us, I don't know how you say that. So for those of you just finding us, we are an independent F1 podcast, but we are delighted to be currently featured on the Downforce Radio feed. Downforce Radio is the nation's motorsport station and will be there for as long as they have us, and that's also where we host the E-Radio show about Formula E, where we talk about getting boosted quite a lot, Matt. And batteries. Lots and lots of batteries. So, what are we giving you that you can't get elsewhere? Well, we aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute and a podcast that is safe for work. We're keeping it clean so my six-year-old can hear this without me getting summoned to the headmaster. So, so that's some of the housekeeping out the way. Details on how to join the conversation later. We've got some people with us. We've got Vivian Bove. Hi, everyone. How are you? So, you're back on this week to celebrate... Yes, I'm very happy to be back, especially celebrating with Rosewater. <laughs> and we've got uh, Vortex Mortio, a.k.a. Ken. How's it going, Ken, all the way from Miami? 
Very good. I'm actually in the beautiful northwest of the United States. It's good to be back. So nearly entirely wrong. And monitoring the chat room for us. Back again. Very popular. Tony Thunderbeast Barnard. Thanks for minding the Ustream for us, T. Hey, man. Glutton for punishment. I'm back. Let's explore some of the pre-race tidbits. Yeah, Matt, I know you like to talk about some of the little interesting things that crop up in the build-up to the race weekend. What did you pick up on this week? Well, I'm I'm actually having to cast my mind back. Uh, the I think one of the interesting things, relatively speaking, at least before we get to the race, the underperformance of of Renault really and Manor. Uh, yeah, so uh, Manor. Everyone talks about it being an engine. You know, it's an engine series now. It's all about the power unit. But they're sitting there with the Mercedes power unit, far and away the best thing. And and they're still looking about three or four seconds off the pace. Yeah, they were not looking very fast through the practices and through qualifying. That's certainly true. Yep. So uh, also one of the, the major talking points coming up to the race was Alonso not starting because of the accident that he had. Uh, is anybody here sort of doubting that? I mean, some people on Twitter were saying, oh, in the olden days, in the olden days, he'd have dusted himself off, he'd have rubbed some dirt on his wound, and he'd be back in the race. And my unpopular response was, yes, but that's why less people die now. I was going to say in the olden days, yeah. he'd have been dead as a doornail. I mean, there, was, there would have been no surviving that particular crash, I don't think, before the modern safety standards were instituted. More to the point, he has to pass an FIA medical check after that kind of an accident before he's allowed to to drive again. Vivian, you got something for us? Yeah, if he broke his ribs, believe me, that's very painful. I did break my two of my ribs two years ago, and when the pain when the pain medication wore wore off, it really got really bad. So I can just imagine Alonso after his drum roll with his car and broke, breaking his ribs. Uh, that must be really painful, and I think the medical team just decided. He's not gonna race. Although yeah, he looks I, good, there's no there's no cast for when you 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 break your ribs. Yeah, he he looked fine, but he didn't pass the medical checks, which is sensible. What's odd is Ron Dennis banging on about him needing to have a second. He he was trying to get that decision overturned, which it doesn't make sense to me because I don't see how a driver with broken ribs is going to drive better than a driver who's perfectly intact. Yeah, in order in order for him to recover, it's going to be a month. So I think he's also going to the Chinese race. So I I just want to mention that that was one of the reasons that was an extremely violent crash was because of the speed involved, and that one of the goals that has been expressed for Formula One is to try to raise the overall speed per lap to gain whatever silly figure it is five seconds per lap. So, that us fans, we don't really, we can't really tell if they're going two seconds a lap faster when we watch some guy, you know, versus it's all just no, numbers. exactly. And faster that they go, some little crash, and all this was was just a simple, you know, oops, clipped the other car, and boom, that crash nearly killed them. They're planning on going faster. That means it's going to be more G-forces when there's a simple little crash like this. It's not the right way to go, and I think this crash is an example of why you don't want to go that direction. Uh, it's a good point. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm very happy with the decision for him not to do that because what you've got is you'll be fine driving around, but it's it's in that fail scenario that he's got that additional risk. 
Uh, but Tony, you were picking up on some of the human element of this. Of course, uh, Mr. Johnny Herbert decided to come out and write that perhaps it was time for Alonso to retire. All, all very brave behind a typewriter. But uh, you enjoyed the situation on Sky Sports. Oh, the, the, the just it was so tantalizingly delicious. The, the, the cringe and the look on his face as Alonso was walking over. <laughs> And his colleague as well, I, I don't know him, I'm sorry, I can't, it doesn't, it's not coming to me, but she knew, she spotted him first and her face was just like, oh, this is going to be brilliant. Uh, yeah, and um, so you could see Johnny's face instantly turn, but it wasn't even like a, a jokey thing at all though, T, was it? It was reasonably aggressive. Oh, he was annoyed. I, I think he had what he said. He came over and he made his statement. It, it, was, it looked like a conversation. He offered his hand for the handshake. Yeah. And, but he just basically just talked at him and then walked away. <laughs> he didn't and wait for him. He's trying his best, you know, to, to make it a two-way and he's just talking over. He wasn't having, having none it. Of it. Did you manage to catch exactly what he said? Because I thought he might have slipped into Spanish for a second. No, no, it, it, it was it was all English, but because they were talking over each other, it was a bit confusing. I had to listen back to it about 20 times to get it, but it, it was good because it was amazing. Uh, I don't know if I should do the voice. Do it. Go for it. Do it. It's do like, it. Do it. So Alonso walks over and he's like, oh, I will not retire, I think. Oh, you're not going to retire? That's good. You are not world champion. And then Johnny goes, you are. And then Alonso jumps in. Probably you think uh, you ended up as commentator because you are not true champion. Oh. Johnny Herbert's like, oh, I know. Thank you very much. That's good. Okay. I wasn't world champion. That is, and and it was like, <laughs> and he was he was so red faced. He was just like, oh, okay, yeah, fine. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't. He was trying to brush it off, but he clearly wasn't comfortable. And then just at the end, he goes, oh, happy man. Would you be happy if someone was being slating you in the press? I don't think so. I think he's just aware that he's on camera. This is his day job. And he's just trying to save some face when really he's been owned. Because you write that article and what you don't think is you think the guy might respond with his own article or with a tweet. What you don't expect is he's obviously timed it knowing Johnny's on air and gone, I am going to have you. And he's just gone straight at him. I thought it was fantastic. A little bit unfair on Johnny Herbert because, you know, he could have been a champion if he hadn't have broken his legs and he'd had a few more opportunities. Bit unfair? Faster car? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yes, you, you what you're saying is true. But, I mean, come on. Hey, do you think he would have been better prepared for that moment? Because he must have known it was going to happen if he goes and writes something like that. I don't know. I think he was completely surprised, is is the impression I got. I don't think he was yeah, that's expecting what I mean. any I comeback. I would have thought he would have been prepared for it a little bit. <laughs> well, what shall I do when I bump into him? Well, he was just like, uh, 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 uh. I don't think any other driver would have done that. I think it's because it's Fernando Alonso. He thinks he's the best driver. He's got two world championships that kind of back him up on that uh, and a great reputation. He's gone, no, you can't say that about me. So I think, I think even if he just said that about Hamilton... Or who was another aggressive driver? Maybe Weber. You don't want to say that about. Uh, but yeah, I can see why he was surprised. So, uh, guys, what did we make of? Did anyone else watch it on Channel Four? Yeah, I, I don't have the choice at the moment. I'm still um, in the process of setting up the most cost-effective way. I think uh, we, we touched on this last week. Yeah, <laughs> don't say pirate. No one. No, 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 no. We would like to point Are out it is no illegal. It is illegal to pirate F1 streams easily. Uh, but yeah, so uh, what we've got to stop is everyone calling everything mighty. Matt, have you noticed this? It started creeping into the F1 vernacular. Everything's a mighty. You can never have a good lap now. It's got to be just a mighty lap. 
Yeah, it was mega. Frankly, I, I'm a fan of Lewis's That Was a Sexy Lap. I thought that was a pretty good way to go. I absolutely love the sexy lap. So a reminder that if you are in the chat room, you are more than welcome to leave your comments or call in. You can add Spanners Ready on Skype and uh, and give me a bell and give me your opinion. We want to hear from you. Join the conversation. So shall we uh, move on to when they started doing racing car stuff, Matt? Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. I had a nice little effect for that, but since I can't find it, we'll do that as we go into the qualifying. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast version. If you've just downloaded it off of iTunes or something like that, you can search Missed Apex. But you are missing out on the full experience. Join the live stream on Ustream. That's the letter U followed by stream. Follow Spanners Ready on Ustream. You'll get a notification whenever we go live. What are you laughing at, Matt? What have I done? <laughs> I stream, you stream, we all stream for Missed Apex Podcast. Oh, I'm recording <laughs> that as a bumper. Uh, if uh, if you're in the chat, then uh, be sure to call in. Just ask Tony Thunderbeast uh, to uh, point you at me or whatever. He'll help you with any questions. So qualifying this week, was it any better after being called the death of F1? They did exactly the same qualifying format because basically because of the McLaren Red Bull protest vote, we were stuck with the same format. I, I feel like the beginning of it, Q2, Q3 went better overall, a bit better. Well, it went better for me, but that's because I missed about the first five minutes of Q1. So I tuned it in right when Verline was having his fantastic lap in the manor. Uh, Viv, I've got a feeling that this wasn't going to impress you. No, definitely not, especially towards the end of every queue. There were two minutes where basically we saw nothing on the racetrack, and we just heard the commentators filling in the gaps and reminding everybody that this is the worst idea ever <laughs> for qualifying. We should have. But I, today I was, I was listening to one of the Sky reporters saying that maybe Pirelli is going to give more tires, but they have to decide. Because if they have more tires to work on, maybe they have more laps to do during qualifying, and then we won't have all these two minutes towards the end where no one is at the racetrack. But shockingly, that would call that would need some consensus among the teams, and for them to actually be able to get a vote together. Because all we heard from Christian Horner this week was complaining about the decision-making process. Uh, you know, he was one of the teams who did the protest vote. Matt, am I, am I right in thinking that we could have had an adjusted format if, he, if him and Ron Dennis had played ball? Well, the interesting thing is we would have had an adjusted format in that Q3 would have reverted to normal Q3, but Q1 and Q2 would have stayed the same. But really, after watching it this week, I think I'm almost on the opposite track here. I think it's Q1 and Q2 that need the adjusting because you're not getting the chance for cars to respond once they're in the drop zone, because the timing between eliminations is too quick. Yeah, and Q3 wasn't wasn't actually too <laughs> You bad. didn't understand that at all, did you? No, I was looking at something else. <laughs> but thanks for, uh, I could have got away with that. I could have just gone to Viv and said, Viv, do you agree with Matt's point? Yeah, I agree with Matt, because every 90 seconds, it's really just watching uh, uh, the grid on the, on the screen going, you're out, you're out, and you're out. Instead of, for example, for Q3, watching the checkered flag go go out and then having crossing your finger that your best driver gets the best lap and improves and gets on the pole that was that used to be exciting towards q3 q1 and q2 or more or less it could stay the same but like matt said maybe more time between each elimination but then q3 needs to go back to where the way it was i love watching the checkered flag and then getting to look at the at the drivers in the circuit and see who makes the best lap tony chat room got any comments about the new format 
yes, we've got uh, All Hails Me is jumping in and saying, have you seen the new uh, proposed format? It's a joke. And uh, Alex Humberson then follows with, just it just makes for better technical rigs. Also, All Hails Me saying it was better quality, but Alex is saying, yeah, it was better, but not by much. So a slightly better qualifying. Well, what do people want? Uh, Matt, do you think that if we carried on and just let's just say they they can't agree? Because to me, it's very likely that they're not going to offer the old qualifying system as an option. And I, any, I think all qualifying is done. You're right. Yeah. And any attempt to then add in changes to make it better out of principle, no one now wants to see this qualifying get better because everyone is so entrenched and invested in this is terrible. We need to change it they're almost against any measure that might prove them wrong by tweaking it slightly and making it actually good. Well, I think also what you're really going to run into is team's own self-interest at this point. Because it, it, a change that might favor one team will disfavor another team, and that team being aware of it will not, will not vote for it. Yeah. You know, so, so you're really going to run into that. They're not going to make a change of qualifying format to disadvantage themselves. This really should have been thought through carefully. And you're running into things like literally the rate of the rate at which the cars can be refueled in the garage is limited. Therefore, you cannot put enough fuel in the car. That's right. Yeah. To, to get it to back get, yeah. out on track and to run to run because the car is the way they are now. They have to run an out lap and then a fast lap and then an in lap. You can't just hit the track and immediately be going full speed. The cars need to come up to operating temperatures and there's just not enough time to get them through the pits on new tires, refueled and back out on track. That's a hard limit that really there's no excuse for them to have not thought that through clearly. There's no excuse at all, other than the fact that this was shoved through at the last second. <laughs> yeah. They're getting they're reaping what they sowed. So, you know, I, I just want to say that if you look at what the goals are for that new this new qualifying format as to why it was introduced and all that, in many ways the new tire regs have completely met that goal where you have teams they, they have much more liberty now in the middle of the race to tr- change up their strategy to try to implement some sort of um, uh, pass for position either in the pits or because they have two and three different compounds to choose from that they may opt for, you know what, with we'll put on the stickiest compound. We're going to pass on track. You're seeing more passing on track. You're seeing greater variety. The race is quite good and the goal of the new qualifying format I'm not sure if we're seeing really much difference as far as how much the grid is jumbled up and because the grid would get jumbled up anyway with the old format and Matt guys correct me if I'm wrong in that you get some folks out of position and then would have to work to get up to where they thought the real race speed of their car is that 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 would happen because somebody'd have a sloppy lap or whatnot or got their timing wrong. It was already difficult on the qualifying timing like you were talking about, Matt, as far as getting the tires on on time, getting out there to warm them up, get your hot lap in. So we had that already. I'm not seeing much difference as far as how much the grid is jumbled up. More importantly, the new tire regs make it perhaps not so relevant. The yep. racing's great right now. It is. Yeah, well, oh, sorry, Matt, go on. 
Yeah, no worries. I would say that the grid is jumbled up, but the problem is the jumble is happening in the midfield and further back, where the real goal was to jumble up the front end of the field. Uh, yeah, well, and, what can you do to do that? And, and But see, that's the issue. What can you do? I don't think it was thought through clearly what could be done to make it more difficult for the front runners to put more pressure on them and to make them pay more for a mistake. And naturally... It's the midfield that's really bearing the brunt of it, which is good because we've had some super exciting racing. Uh, I'll leave the last word on the quality format to the chat room, Tony. Yeah, um, All Hails Me has jumped in and said that the old quality is done with, and Bernie's already stated this. Uh, Alex agrees. Uh, Alex then comes on with uh, the teams have too much power. Yeah, well, I mean, if it can be vetoed, so it seems like it can be vetoed too easily, Matt. Yeah. I mean, the, the the issue with the teams having a say over how the contest gets decided is that you're going to get exactly this sort of result where everyone goes for the resu- for the rule that will benefit them best and there's not unanimity. There needs to be real leadership, and I'm just going to go say it, from the FIA. They have dropped the ball the entire time Tote has been in charge. He has shown himself to be as ineffective as FIA president as he was effective as head of Ferrari. And that's just all there is to it. And it's a disaster. It's a nepotistic, paternalistic, fraternal disaster and of I think, leadership. And I think we have someone joining us from the chat room. Who's on the line there? Hello. Hi, who's it's speaking? Ryan. Is that Ryan Ferris, our e-radio show buddy? Yes, it is. Uh, what have you got to say then? We are currently in the midst of qualifying, about to get onto the actual action part of it. I think we're done with whinging about the format. Uh, what was your take on it, Ryan? Well, I thought I I still think um, it, it needs changing uh, or it needs some adjusting. But I I yeah I thought it was I still thought it was an alright qualifying. Um, but uh, my main disagreements is uh, with. Um, Ha- with Hamilton and uh, apparently uh, him not being penalised. Ooh, now then, there was a couple of things that people thought he might have been penalised for. Which which one do you incorrectly think he should be penalised for? <laughs> Reversing in the pit lane. Ah, now this one I didn't quite see. Now, is there a rule that you? Isn't it something like? Isn't there a certain distance you can't reverse under your own power, Matt? Or is it the just... rule is absolutely you may not reverse under your own power in the pit lane? Period. And he definitely did. Sorry, there's a thunderstorm outside. Uh, and he definitely did reverse under power. It is inarguably that he reversed under power. Now, Ryan, though, I was hearing that he was told by a steward to reverse. Would that mitigate it at all for you? Or do you just really hate Lewis Hamilton? Well, I'm sort of just thinking, you know, I'm sort of being, thinking back to Mansell back in, was it 89 or 90? And he got an entire race ban. Now, I don't believe uh, Hamilton should have got anything as severe as that. But I still sort of think, well, rules are rules. And he should have at least maybe got maybe a five place or a 10 place grid penalty for it. Well, I mean, kind of karma did that for him anyway, didn't it? Yeah, it did in the end. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the FIA, realizing they'd made a mistake in not penalizing Hamilton, uh, instructed Bottas to chin him up the inside of turn one. Uh, Ryan, was there another penalty that you had a problem with? Uh, Yeah, the uh, Magnussen penalty, which I believe happened in FP2. Um, Yes. Him missing the Weybridge. So, yeah. Is that not equally clear-cut? 
Well, I'm sort I'm sort of thinking I felt that it was quite harsh, uh, considering it only happened in a practice session. Uh and it didn't happen say if it had happened in qualifying and he did that, then yes. Now what, what his punishment was now, Ryan, rules were rules a moment ago when it was Herr Hamilton, but now it's, hey, come on, let's just leave the poor lad alone. Yeah, well, I sort of, I sort of think he should get, a, he should have got a penalty, but not as severe as that. I sort of think he should have got, yeah, something like, again, a 10-place grid penalty or something like that for what he did. But I still don't, I think for what he did, he shouldn't have, especially if it was in a practice session, I don't think he should have been a, given a penalty as severe as that. Excellent. Uh, and uh, we'll take the rest of the comment off that uh, off air. Ryan, thank you very much for calling in. We'll catch you soon on E-Radio Show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much, guys. Bye. Was that harsh, the Magnuson penalty? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those Maybe. things. Uh, apparently, the driver steward, steward um, said to the FIA, come on, you don't have to give him a penalty for that. Uh, but they were like, no, rules were rules. So, yeah, but rules weren't rules for Hamilton. So a bit of inconsistency, perhaps. Well, perhaps the Hamilton thing is a little more fraught for me personally because you were supposed to be directed where to park and he was not the steward. Whoever was supposed to have been in charge of pointing the cars where they go was absent. Ah, so he had and, no and idea clearly not go. there. And so his reverse as such was simply an attempt to get his car where it was supposed to be after the end of quali since he finished on pole. And it's also very, very clear that the amount of reversing he did was probably maybe a meter or less. Okay, then would you? So would... it's 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 it, it's more arguable from his point of view because the normal controls that were supposed to be in place were not there, and it could have been that he was directed to put his car. He was oh, put it there, and you know it's the same thing if a policeman if a policeman waves you through a red light. You know, are they then going to write you a ticket for running a red light? It, it seemed to me a bit more of that situation, but it's definitely arguable. He could have been penalized for it and, and perhaps should have been. Magnuson, less so. The light was red. He drove through it. End of story. OK, guys. So uh, chat room, please remember that Tony is hard of reading. So you will have to type clearly, preferably in block capitals. Uh, he is he is. Uh, I won't say I won't, won't make this a regional thing, but I have seen Tony read and he puts his finger on the word uh, that he's reading, which is the disaster because he also eats baked beans with his hands. So that often leaves streaks of orange on all his books. Don't lend him a book. Uh, let's go over to the chat room. What comments are coming in? All right, so Alex Humberson, uh, he's throwing back to the coverage and he said he did watch it on Channel 4 and he said it was quite good. I then said, well, to be fair, I'm not going to complain about a free service, really, because I'm northern and anything free is great. Uh, he said he found it less annoying than the BBC. It's not It's not free, though, is it? There is tax. It's run by the government, Channel 4. But do we pay for it? Oh, it's it's money isn't changing hands, so in my opinion, it's free. Free, and app. also anonymous four five five four one. I'm sorry, I don't know his name. Mm-hmm. That MB disabled forty four's traction control again. All ah, right, okay. So this is talking about the start. So that brings us nicely onto the race action. Who was trying to get really, in there? really, 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 the really race. the race? Yeah, the race. let's do the race this time. You're going to ignore a record-setting lap by your hero. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to give away my allegiances, but yes, honestly, this is the first time one of these little tiny V6s has beaten a lap time from the V10 era. And that was Lewis Hamilton. He managed it, but only just. And Nico Rosberg failed, unfortunately, to do so. 
So I'm sure that Lewis Hamilton will be going home this weekend with that in his heart rather than the race result. Right. And if I can just speak to the exceeding track limits, because he did on the first run, clearly run entirely wide on the last turn. He missed, he, he, he lost traction and got off onto the AstroTurf. So first of all, he clearly lost time in the lap. I don't care what anybody says. Yes. Because he was seven tenths down and he wasn't going into the last sector. Yeah. But, but more to the point, it's very clear, uh, the FIA hands out a pre-race set of rules in which they specifically mark off turns where if you exceed limits, you will be penalized. And that turn was not on that list. And they do it for every single race. They say drivers exceeding limits at turn X, Y, or Z will be penalized if they gain an advantage. He did not gain an advantage, and it was clearly a mistake on his part. And as such, your time is not scrubbed. Yeah, I, I thought that was a non-issue, to be honest. I mean, there is a section of the internet who actually doesn't like Lewis Hamilton all that much, and they will no. leap on anything really? uh, to, to criticise him. But I mean, uh, Van Dorn also went wide there. And I think what we've seen plenty of history where there are some tracks where they're not bothered about it, but there are some tracks where they identify specific corners. I'm now thinking of Austria, the final corner... Uh, mm -hmm. possibly the one before it where you gain an advantage where you can carry more speed from that first right hand turn by exceeding the track limits onto the final straight so they specifically said there all four wheels off that lap is invalidated but there's been yep. loads and loads of occasions where they've let it go because they weren't that bothered or they've thought you're only harming yourself to to run off onto the dirty bit of the track there so yeah, yeah. i think this is cut and dry for me and more to the point uh they had a journalist cart race and if you okay. saw the footage from that, oh, my <laughs> God, they had no regard for track limits whatsoever. How could they even bring it up as a subject ever again uh, with any kind of authority is beyond me. They were mental. They were they were driving way over the limits. <laughs> Can we talk about the race? Can we talk about the race now, Matt? Are you, are you quite happy? No, you were absolutely right to, to go back and cover that because that was a big uh, point of controversy on social media. But if we go to Lights Out... Oh, it was a it was a heck of a start. I don't even know where to start. I, I think you should start on the formation lap because one of the most interesting things possible happened on the formation lap. Oh Vivian. dear, Vivian. Well, what can we say? There was a lot of action in the formation lap, unbelievably. <laughs> but uh, did you all see Rosberg's anti-stall and all the cars passing by? And Rosberg was like what fourth or third? On the formation lap, yeah, yeah. On the formation lap. He didn't see the lights go out or something happened. And, and well, and then we had uh, the misfortune that uh, Vettel had an engine engine failure and that makes his first DNF in his F1 career. And then again, we saw Joel and Palmer with a Renault who didn't start at all. So there yeah. were three things going on before the race even started. That's a real and shame. I what was the issue with Julian, Julian Palmer? Don't know. I wanted to ask Vortex, because looking at Vettel's failure, it did not look like Kimi's failure to me. Do you agree with that? Did you see it? I mean, Ferrari, this was the new engine. It was supposed to be better, faster, and boom, boom, they're popping. Yeah. Be interesting to see if they can save that power unit. Yeah, so it really did take away the element of the race, which was that Vettel would get in amongst the Mercedes and stop them. And I'm going to be honest, sorry, uh, Vivian, but once Vettel was out, I was like, well, that's the Ferrari threat over with. Yeah, but fortunately, someone came to the rescue. 
I know. So we're talking about turn one. Again, Hamilton, it wasn't a terrible start this time, I don't think. But it was, I don't know how you saw it, Ken. But it just seemed that Rosberg got a better start. It wasn't like Hamilton got a disastrous start compared to the rest of the pack. Well, I don't know. I think, you know, if if we compare Hamilton's start to Rosberg's start, Hamilton, I thought he lost on that deal. Is that right? Yeah, his start was not as good. They caught some, I think, wheel spin in second or third gear as he was leaving the line. He had some wheel spin. But he said after the race that, that his reaction, he simply did not react to the lights as quickly as Nico did. But regardless, again, for the second straight race, it was the start. And we know that Mercedes now is pursuing a new clutch solution coming from AMG Daimler rather than from, I think, Sox, who currently makes their clutches. If you look back at the Australian Grand Prix and the fantastic start that both Ferraris made, the real surprise was, of course, um, Raikkonen coming off the line. He was in a position where he could have been leading going into turn one, and what a different race it would have been. And look what happened to him, right? You know, he bogged as well, and he ended up just fighting for podium. Okay, so uh, we've just had somebody else call in on Skype. Who are we talking to? Martin. Martin, hello. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. What point would you like to make to the panel today? Um, just, I just want to say that um, I think that the opening lap was um, it was a bit abysmal, really. It was almost as though they were all just playing bumper cars. Unprofessional, are you suggesting? <sighs> I think unprofessional is a bit... Uh, it's a bit it's a bit too much to say, but it's, it's almost as though they didn't know what was going on on the track, what was going on next to them. All the training just seemed to have gone out the window. Uh, and if you had to commit, you are the referee. We saw uh, the number 77 of Bottas smash unceremoniously into oh, the yeah, side that, pod. That was, that, was, that was a clear case caught. Um, that, was, that was Bottas' fault. That was... And, and well, well, the thing is, F1, believe it or not, can be quite partisan based on your favourite driver, Martin. So can we say, who are, you, who are your F1 allegiances to? Um, I'm a McLaren Mercedes fan. Oh, I am, Also Mercedes. I am terribly sorry. Uh, about, <laughs> and very brave of you to come out and talk about it, I think, in, in this era. <laughs> so uh, you're, you're thinking that was clearly a case of, what, Bottas just breaking late and going for a gap that wasn't there? Yeah, it was. I, I think it was more a race incident than anything else. Um, I think his drive-through penalty was a bit over the top. Okay, uh, and what about some of the other first lap clashes? Have you got any opinions on those? I, I can't put, I can't bring one to mind straight away, but I just think it was like, what were, what were they, what were they talk, what were they doing? They were just, it just felt like they were just driving into each other just to get out of the way. It, it, well, at least it made for a bit of fun. But did you enjoy this weekend uh, more more than the opening weekend? I thought uh, the first up to about lap thirty five was all right. It was good. It was entertaining, and then it just kind of. It, died on his bum towards the end to be honest um <laughs> Verstappen seemed to get here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A good kind of push towards the end. Um, but other than that, it was... Um, Died on its bum. I actually yeah. wrote that exact same phrase, but for lap 40. Martin, <laughs> thank you very much for calling in. Uh, hope you're enjoying the chat room and I hope to hear from you again soon. No problems. Well, there we go. So that is what we want to hone in on because this is what everyone's going to be arguing about. And I've already heard cases of friends falling out, people blocking people on Twitter over this. Whose fault was it? I'm going to go to Ken first because he's smiling. Could Hamilton have left a bit of room? I think he did leave a fair amount of room there, actually. It was, so I, I saw, um, uh, who's our Sky F1 commentator, Sky, uh, Martin? Martin Brundle. Uh, Brundle. Brundle, not Blundell. I thought Brundle called that correctly in that um, uh, break would have been the better point uh, than the valor of uh, <laughs> Valerie Botas there, right? You know, the one thing that that Botas had, though, that that car is quick in a straight line. It was it was it was fast on the straights all the way, and I think that Hamilton um, perhaps uh, was preparing to attack in the following turns, and so he he eased up and he wasn't really conscious of somebody doing a dive bomb on the inside. So, you know, initially I, I thought that could have gone either way, but, um, you know, fair play for him to get the penalty that Botas got. It was, it was a brave choice. Matt. Yeah. I, I want to go two points deep on this. First of all <laughs> is to remember that the size of the cockpit had been raised yet again. This limits the driver's lateral pers- lateral vision. And it was very clear that Hamilton was focused on Rosberg. And you can yeah. see by him running wide to the outside, he was simply trying to maintain more momentum through the apex so that he could have a he could have a go at him coming around turn three. And it was clearly what he was up to, I think. And as such, he was he was he was probably looking in his mirrors and saw Botas coming, but he may not have been able to pick up how quickly he was coming. And he wouldn't have seen him out of his peripheral vision necessarily. Because again, the higher size of the cockpit yeah. limit your vision there. Botas, on the other hand, would have had a clear view of everything that was going on. And I think he was imagining he could get directly alongside Lewis, where it would have been wheel on wheel contact. 
And I think that was just optimistic. And when he yeah. realized it was not going to happen, it was too late for him to back out of it. It would have been smarter for him to to leave the room for Hamilton, I think, for his race would have been smarter. That said, I'm not sure I agree with a penalty because I've seen before on lap one this exact situation happen. And given the fact that neither Hamilton nor Botas was kicked out of the race due to their damage, I've seen that that move go unpunished before. So it, it may have been a bit harsh, but that's going to be down most likely to your driver's steward and or the telemetry from the car, which may have told a story that we couldn't see on TV. Tony, who are the chat room blaming? Who are the chat room blaming? Uh, we've got Anonymous45541. Still hasn't told me his name yet, so that's, that's just what I'm going to call him. He said, uh, did 44 not see a bot? That's because a hair got in his eye. Oh, is that a reference to Monaco last year when he said something something got in his eye? Uh, okay, harsh. I think uh, he's outed himself as not a not a Hamilton fan there. Tony, you seemed a bit surprised by me going to you and asking about the chat room. I must point out you have one job. Uh, no, I was checking something else and I had to unmute quickly. It's it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> You're not here for your looks, you know, mate. Oh, MG5904 jumped in with a first lap clash. Penalty seems a bit harsh, but I think we might have covered that already. Yeah, no, that's fine. Vivian, who do you blame? Oh, I think we might have lost Vivian there. So my uh, work... Go, I blame, I, go ahead, Vivian. I blame a little bit both, but, basic, but, Lewis ha- but Lewis was closing in the curve, so he didn't give a lot of space to Bottas. Yeah, no, no, I, now I'm intended to agree. Okay, I'll out myself. I'm a Lewis Hamilton fan. Hashtag 44, all the rest of it. Fine, let's get it out in the open. You're biased. <laughs> I am massively biased, but I do try not to be. Now, I do think it was Bottas' Bottas's Bottas fault. I do think he caused the incident. But when you're coming into turn one like that, you can't expect to be able to take your normal racing line all the time. And I just couldn't help but feel if he'd have just left a corridor on his right-hand side in case a car was coming, he would not have been fouled in any way. It would have not affected his racing line and he would have just exited the corner in second place. But I do also feel that I don't think Bottas would have made that corridor even if Hamilton had left it I still feel like he would have touched it, Ken. I still feel like he'd have gone into his side pod. No, I, it, it was... It, I always like to say on an incident like that, it takes two to tango. And so, I mean, sure. It, if the door is going to be left open and you get a dive bomb on the un, inside, you know, you can you can leave a little room so that you're not clobbered, right? You know, if... If the door is left open, but you don't have enough room to really stick it in there and get your front wheel alongside the other guy's front wheel, then, you know, you need to uh, bang the brake really hard, lock it up, turn whatever you got to do to avoid it if you can, uh, or prepare to pay the penalty for the mistake. But, you know, I mean, I think like it was said earlier, that's that comes down to the driver's steward on a really narrow call like that and some will say it was harsh okay and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the race because uh, no vivian you are a little bit darlicky you're asking me if i can hear you okay you're a little bit darlicky and your picture's gone uh, but that set the tone for the race because hamilton sort of ended up in sort of fifth or sixth and that car didn't quite look a hundred percent it was missing end plates the bodywork was clearly rubbing so you know, so how much do you think that affected him, Matt? Well, actually, the floor was damaged. I'd say that was the most significant damage by far. And the estimates from Mercedes were around eight tenths a lap. So by that point, we're saying eight tenths a lap, that much yeah. for that damage. That's what they're saying. Yeah. 
Yeah, so at that point, we were hoping... Now, now granted, that's coming from Mercedes, so maybe they're leaning on that number a little <laughs> bit. But but it was clear on on, on same tires that, that Lewis was no faster than Kimi, and we know that the Mercedes is faster than the Ferrari, so that yep. tells you all you really need to know. And there was, a, there was a few more breakages as well. I mean, Perez had a very, very busy race. He smashed his front wing, Matt. Yeah, it was half gone. I don't even know what happened personally. Like I, I went back and tried to figure out who he, who he hit. Signs suffered a puncture. I mean, they just lit, it literally looked like a Formula E race there for a second. <laughs> and like Martin was saying, it just I don't know what, what was it about about this weekend. Then is it because they've all set up? They know it's a, a racy track. It's a, they know it's a track they can overtake on. So they've really gone for it. Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think, first of all, in contrast to Melbourne, Bahrain is a very tricky track and it allows for multiple lines through corners. Yep. And and the second thing is, and this is always the thing that I think people can't appreciate, they almost never run their cars with the tanks full until they get to the start. And you're uh, with the added weight on the car and with the brakes being cold, yep. man, your first couple of turns are always going to be a bit of an adventure. And and I think that that might have played into it as well. But that wasn't, you know, that wasn't typical. Uh, what are the chat room making out, Tony, then in this great debate? Are they still talking about whose fault it is? It is. Uh, Martin's jumped in and said, regardless of whose fault it was, he said he just commented on that it was a good recovery from both drivers, considering Hamilton was facing the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Super relevant as well. MG5904 has also just said he's such a Hamilton fan. He's named his cat after him, which is amazing. <laughs> no, that's and good then, to know. That's feedback I want. No, it is. It's Join the conversation. Important. You, followed by stream, forward slash spanners ready. Proper journalism here. <laughs> Anonymous45541. Vivian, you look marvellous. And then finally, I'll jump in with Senior Trowell. He said, it looked to me like Hamilton should have missed the apex. Huh? Hey! hey! He says, is this, is this thing on? Is this thing on? <laughs> oh, you missed the apex. <laughs> yeah, we're talking to you, Hamilton and Bartas. And look, I don't want people to objectify Vivian Bove just because she's a beautiful Honduran lady, unless it helps uh, ratings, in which case, yes, definitely uh, continue doing that. Uh, what else caught your eye, Matt? Because as, as much as there's so much to talk about, I really do want to keep these recordings to an hour. Sorry, we are missing the big story. Okay, well then. Big story is Haas, F1, and Romain Grosjean. I think so. What a story. And the Americanness uh, infusing F1 is amazing. They, they moved, it is. They gained it a place. By, yeah. By, uh, yeah. So by Monaco, they'll win. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. His start was really good. He was up, I think, to P6 on the first lap from P9. So he gained three on the start. Yeah. But more to the point, they were able to keep him there throughout the race. He was he was definitely a proper P5, which is where he finished. And, you know, maybe with some development, we could be giving Red Bull a little bit of a run for their money, which would be great to have competition for P4 and P5 as well. And there was this time there was no there was no gifted free pit stop. There was no extenuating circumstances. They were there 100 percent. That was their race. And the car looked good. Grosjean looked aggressive and tough. Like, what has got into him? Well, I think he's always been that way. He's finally been given a car he can drive, is I think what happened. Yeah, so he's been given a nice drivable car. Uh, Ken. Wait, what, wait, 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 man. Oh, here I we go. Oh, no. 
I mean, my God, do, do we do we forget about the years where he was at Lotus and he was dog fighting with Kimmy? I mean, he showed some of that before. I think, though, what's really I, I think it's not just Haas. It's also Grosjean. And then we should highlight that there's a couple of big things that one, he took a chance, right? You know, yes, a yeah. new team. Right. And he came in as the hired gun and it looks great for two things. One, Haas made the right choice. Grosjean is performing outstanding, right, with a brand new team. And number two, let's remember that Grosjean had a very rough early career. He came in as a very young guy and he admitted, my God, the pressure got to me and he made horrible mistakes, right? He went back down to the junior formulas. He came back up. He had a guy at Lotus that really believed in him. And that was Eric Boulier, right? So he's always been with Eric Boulier. They both speak of the French or whatever that language is that they speak over there. And, and he French, is no yes. longer with Eric Boulier. He is just the, the experienced hired gun over there at Haas. And I think part of the joy that we hear on the radio at the end of the two races that he's done this in is that it's a new phase of his career. He does have the chops to do it. He is performing great. He's doing everything pretty much spot on. It's a, it's a kind of a special moment, actually, for team and driver. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's not just the driving, but also, I think, maybe the development as well that we're, we're going to see from him. Because as we've seen in the past, not every driver, even a driver who's fast, is also helpful with the development. But clearly, they have good feedback there. And he's been not lucky. I'm not saying his performance has been lucky, but there is another Haas car, believe it or not. We've just not really seen it uh, in a competitive state. But what a shame uh, for Gutierrez that he has not been able to kind of show what he can do in that machinery. Yes. Well, between Alonso and his brakes, it's been a rough <laughs> two races for Gutierrez. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be interested to see because when when has announced Gutierrez I was very critical saying that you know saying that it showed a lack of ambition employing a driver like Gutierrez who I felt was probably there not perhaps on merit but perhaps on the same vein as, uh, as some of the other pay driver money yes Ken's making I didn't want to say he's a pay driver he's a pay driver and yes I understand the economic realities of the midfield teams new teams so I, I just think he's got something to prove and if Grosjean really is on form it could make him look bad it could. It may, but we have yet to see him finish a race, so we don't know. The thing about Gutierrez is he's had some good drives in the past. He he has some speed, Yeah, but he, he wound up being wildly inconsistent in the last part of the full season that he drove, and it's going to be that same thing. Will he be able to survive the competitive environment? mentally i think more so than than in terms of talent okay yeah. so who else are the chat room impressed with tony thunderbeast barnard as you must legally be referred to yeah uh, alex umberston says uh, yeah he's impressed by van dorn and kvart they did a good job too now um, now oh i'm going well, oh gonna... you want to you want to jump in on that then yeah well okay well let, let's uh, i'll come back to you in a second van dorn brilliant to jump in what is effectively mid season and uh, and get right up to speed. I think he had a great race. He looked really racy. Yes, and he didn't drive into anybody. Is that sarcastic? Did I miss him driving into someone? 
No, All I right. mean, no. literally. <laughs> Unlike Alonso, whom he was deputized for, he drove into no one. He managed to yeah. not hit a Gutierrez. Well done. Yeah, great, great point there, actually. I mean, it was a clean race, and he was fast, and my God, he outqualified his uh, world champion teammate uh, the day before. It was um, it was great performance overall, you got to say, for a debut. Debut. Yeah, um, okay. It's that French word. It's just hard for us Americans. <laughs> Those darn French. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, no, no, no. We welcome our French uh, French brothers. But why is he saying that? Why have I got the impression that Gavia had a shocker this weekend? And he's saying in the chat room that he's impressed with him. Oh, he was locking up all over the place, making a, a bit of a hash of himself. Uh, and he was mysteriously off the pace in qualifying. Fiat, yeah, had a rough race. And I think it's encapsulated when Verstappen passed him for the first time. He was locking up and yes. Verstappen just like went carved right through him like a hot knife through butter. And so, you just in that moment, you just saw, OK, yeah, you're you're pretty done for then. It's going to be Verstappen at Red Bull next year. Yeah, right. I, I saw people say that, too. But didn't what was Kvyat's race actually like? Didn't he start pretty far back yeah, in he the did, yeah. field? So yeah, he, he had was having to fight his maybe, way all the way back up? He started he started behind Verstappen and he was he was P15 and the first pass I think definitely came when he was on old tires if I'm remembering correctly but none of that really matters because Verstappen is the flavor of the day and Kvyat <laughs> is finishing two to three places down on Ricardo right now. Okay Tony I interrupted you who else were the uh the chat room impressed with? Yeah, uh let's have a look. Oh, anonymous 31231 says Rio Oriento is a dud. Wrong, wrong again, uh, Anonymous31231. Give us your opinion, why don't you? Did you see, no, he's absolutely right, but did you see the poll after Australia? The FIA put out a driver of the race public vote, but what they failed to do was narrow down the options. So knowing the great British public, if you put Rio Harianto on that list, we are all going to vote for him. And sure enough, he won the poll by some margin, by like triple of the next, next person. Mega, absolutely. But yeah, so what do we, we? We've we've not really seen anything from him. Do you think this is just a classic pay driver coming in to fill a seat? I I think I think we should be very thankful for the fabulous young Rio because he is helping to fund Pascal Verlein or however he is pronounced in one of those other strange countries called Germany, um, because. <laughs> Pascal, I think, was in many ways up for driver of the day. Uh, he had yep. a fantastic race, and it kind of shows it's a classic thing where you take a super talented young guy and put him uh, in a car that has a, uh, let's see, children's safe, uh, horrible chassis, but uh, the best motor on the grid, and cut him loose and see what he can do in a race. In many ways, Pascal shows it's the old school Formula One, wrestle a mediocre chassis yep. to as high as you can go. He he did an outstanding performance. And it's it's the problem with Pascal is he can only be compared to Rio, yeah. who's helping to fund that drive. So we really don't know, but the fact that he can consistently beat the Saubers, he's, he's, it's a great performance to see at this point of the season. Now, who yes. came over? Go on, sorry, Matt. I was it's a bit of a shame we didn't wind up with Rossi in that seat because I think Rossi would have provided a little more challenge for him. But I think what you're beginning to see is 
with the influence of Mercedes, Manor's unlocking a bit more performance from that chassis. And he qualified P16 in a stellar, stellar lap in the car. It was really exciting to watch him go through the elimination times that they managed to time it correctly. But also, he finished P13 in the race, and he was he was on P12. He was trying to get P12 when he ran out of laps. So he was not done. And if they get a bit more performance out of that car, they could be scoring points, I think. Uh, Vivian, are you still with us? Her spinning circle will live on. Uh, in it suggests, oh, it's a shame we've lost Vivian because she had some stuff to say. Um, Toro Rosso can't. Oh, I'm here. You're there. You had a comment about the Toro Rosso pit stops. Yeah, epic fail. Yeah. Epic fail. Come on, they've been practicing forever and ever pit stops and the, what, the rear jack falls? Yeah, mm, no, he couldn't ugly. even keep it on the rear jack. That was amazing. That, that was ugly. And and, and Red Bull, too. Red Bull, too, had a less than quick pit stop for Ricardo at one point. It was almost, it was over four seconds, which is highly unusual for them. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, meant, I meant to point out, actually, <laughs> when you were talking about Haas, that challenged with their first actual pit stop in a race they actually failed two out of three of them were very poor yeah they they were not they were not as fast as they should have been i don't think it really impacted where he finished in the race at all fortunately enough but it's definitely an issue they're going to need to get on top of i can see helmet marco breaking out the whips and chains though <laughs> to whip them into shape Ooh, yeah it's going to be an ugly dressing down for that but i tell you what I, I think i know we've just jumped around a bit there but a testament to how bad the chassis is uh ken i don't know if i'm reading this right but i think magnuson came on the radio and said i cannot overtake that manner because it is like a rocket on the straight which says to me that thing has got no downforce whatsoever and it's just letting the mercedes power push it down the straight yeah, spot on, spot on. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And that does show exactly how bad that chassis is. They can't generate enough downforce. And so what he's doing to get it through the corners and try to carry enough speed out of the corners, it's just down purely to driver talent trying to use a car that has less downforce and therefore less grip in the corners. And then it rockets down the straight. I thought that was a great comment. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, I know things about stuff. I've been faking it for long enough. So guys, uh, last few minutes of the show, like any, what, what points, obviously Rosberg cruised to a relatively easy victory in the end, but Matt, what would you like to, uh, to say? About well, stuff. first of all, you have to hand it to Rosberg. He's had two fantastic races in a row. His starts have been yep. good enough, and his drives have been. He's done everything really that's been required. Drama free. So hats off to him. But I, the the elephant in the room, I think, is the medium tire. What a dud in this race! It killed Williams. It was so bad that that Mercedes put Hamilton on it to run long and try and make up for yes. his loss of positions. They they brought him in first to get rid of it. It sucked so bad. And yet Williams goes and runs a second stint on that tire. I cannot fathom why they did this. It was not the tire of choice. Everyone who had an option avoided it like the plague. And, and even Mercedes... They had four laps of looking at Williams. I'm surprised that that they went that direction with Hamilton, but they must have thought they knew something that Williams didn't is the only thing I can perceive. Well, I, that's a great point, Matt. And and I and if we're doing the true confessions, I'm a Williams fan, I suppose. And so what I noticed is that Williams was the only team to have two brand new unused sets of mediums 
And Williams has this history of not being very flexible with their pit strategy. And so they must have gone in with a piece of paper that said, thou shalt use both sets of brand new mediums during the race. And then finally toward the end of the race, they said, okay, maybe we should give up on that because we're not the only ones that are not fast on the medium. But great point about, about the medium. It was very strange to see that that didn't work at all, but it made for a great race because it required a lot more pit stops. Absolutely. And that's one of the, that's one of the many things that made the race a lot more fun to watch. I think Vivian is actually, I don't know if she's there or not. <laughs> she's commented that the medium yeah. tire was, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The medium tire was as popular as the qualifying format. Nobody loved it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but given that last week, last week, two weeks ago, it was the go-to magic bullet, and and then th- and then this week, yeah, you say Hamilton sort of leaned on it. I was quite hopeful when he bolted the medium on that maybe that could make up some of the deficit and he could go long. But really, he was still down on pace, and it didn't last that much longer than. Or do you think they just gave up on it because of the lack of pace? It didn't last longer at all. Yeah, it, it was so. it was there was no pace in it, and there was no point in him running it. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we pass the last uh, couple of points over to the chat room, T? Hey, the chat room's been a buzz of activity. It has, though. I've just been looking. It's an actual buzz of activity. So oh, thank you. It's been really to... good this week. It's really appreciated. Thank you to everyone who's joined us, and I hope you'll do it again, and I hope we'll get uh, more call ins. What are they saying? What, what, what points do they want to bring up to end the show on? Right, you'll like this. MG5904. Has there been any mention regarding Kimmy's reaction on the podium? He looked like he was given a participation reason rather than a second place trophy. <laughs> and then uh, Senior Trowell jumped in. Kimmy was just upset. Anytime he gets a podium, he has to deal with fake no alcohol potential and pain. Rosewater. Yes, he does always seem to sort of win the, uh, the Middle Eastern races where they ban the alcohol. Uh, he can't genuinely have been upset about that, can he? I think, I think, to be honest, though, do you think it's just that anything oh, other I than think- a win is not good enough? I think he could have been upset because, as, as as Vortex pointed out earlier, man, P1 was his if he'd had a decent start. Yep. And, and uh, instead it was – I'm hoping I can, he's fighting to get back to P5, P4 at the end of the first lap. Uh, uh, Vivian, I'm going to say this to pick a fight with you. Vettel would have won that race. Ooh. Yeah, Vettel, Vettel really smoked up his victory and maybe Kimi could have been second and then maybe Nico Rosberg third <laughs> if Kimi would have had a great start also. Yeah, I don't think I'm being unkind. I think Vettel had a real shot at winning that race if his if his engine hadn't blown. You don't think so, Ken? No, oh, no. I think we saw what Vettel can do at this track last year. He made it pretty darn clear, frankly, and Kimi outperformed him pretty handily. It just is Kimi's track. I want to highlight, though, there's this guy from Australia named Daniel Ricardo. Uh, he finished fourth. <laughs> and I yeah. think what's interesting about that, and I just want to insert this quick point, is that he has a little uh, Renault motor in the back of his car. Renault is bringing a big upgrade to Canada. The potential there is that we're going to have three teams fighting for the podium thereafter, depending upon, and it's going to be a big step, depending upon what Renault does with that motor. That's really all we need to see Red Bull fighting for podiums, perhaps. But what Red Bull also need is flowing circuits to be competitive. So like downforce required in Bahrain, am I wrong? True, true. But on the other hand, that car works really well in um, medium speed corners. Uh, so like Barcelona, those... Barcelona should be strong in Barcelona. 
True, true, but they need more motor, I think, really, to be able to compete with the big boys, and they're going to get that. We're going to see uh, the latter part of the season, perhaps something exciting. Okay then, guys, so uh, let's move on. The race finishes, and I want to play this, because I like it, and it makes me feel like there's been a celebration. Let's uh, go towards the end of our show. I want to find out from all of you guys, who was your driver of the week? So obviously my vote is Harianto because I like to go with the people. Matt, who's your driver of the week? Ooh, this was a difficult one for me. And it was really, I think, down to either Veriline or Grosjean. But I'm going to have to go with Grosjean because there were real points on the line. Grosjean. For him. And uh, you know what? I'm going to toss in a Van, uh, a Van Dorn. You can't have to. He scored, he scored points for McLaren. <laughs> oh, my God. You have to pick one. Pick one. I'm writing it down. Pick one. Grosjean. Grosjean, that is just nationalistic. It's just because the elections are coming up. You've all been waving your flags and you can't you see past the American flag. Grosjean is French. Yeah, but he... Oh, come on. And over aside the, from his fries, I mean, really. Over the say? radio, it was... That was awesome, man. Good job. And they patted his bum. That was... I can't, said, can't get any more American. It, Grosjean said it was the real American dream on the radio. Ken, who's your driver Don't. of the week? Okay, so I was in the same boat as Matt. You know, I was super impressed with Pascal. And, uh, of course, Grosjean, I thought, I, I argued earlier for him. But since Matt has chosen Grosjean, I'm going to be contrarian. I'll just say Ricciardo, the guy I just spoke about, because look at where his teammate finished. He had a lonely race. It was an easy race to fourth, and yet he could have been farther down, I think, as we saw from what his teammate did. Great performance, big points for that team yep. with perhaps not a strong engine. So and well he did a good there. job all weekend and he put himself in the right place to take advantage off the grid. Uh, Vivian, is it even worth asking you, your drive of the race, obviously uh, Perez. Uh, yeah, I was going to go like Matt and Ken did at the beginning with Grosjean. But then no, you I'm weren't. Gonna go biased and I'm going to say Kimi Raikkonen. I love how <laughs> this is eighth podium in Bahrain. Why did it's you even bother lying? But in the podium in Bahrain. Excellent, excellent. And Tony, and would you go on? Three points ahead of teammate. He's three points ahead of his teammate. Well, that is true. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Number one Ferrari driver, Tony. Would you like to say the name of a driver that you've heard? Yes, uh, we've actually had a message earlier on. But yeah, we we went past what he was, you know. But it was MG fifty nine oh four says uh, kudos to Fred for sticking around all race weekend with busted yeah. ribs and no drive. So I'm going to go with him. You're going to go for Fernando Alonso as your driver of the weekend who didn't drive once again. Uh, you know, you're validating my decision to bring a, a non F one fan onto the show to help us out. Thanks, Tony. Oh, you got it. <laughs> uh, so my real driver of the weekend, uh, I think um, I think you've got to give it to Rosberg again this week. He could not have done any more. You give it to the man who's won five Grand Prix in a row. And uh, as a Hamilton fan, I hope that comes to an end pretty soon. But hats off to him at the moment. He hasn't really put a foot wrong. He's not the strongest qualifier in the world. He's up against one of the very best qualifiers. He's doing well to even keep up. He was only like seven hundredths of a second off him. I think, uh, and then he got the better start. Job done, lights to flag. So, Rosberg for me. Tony, what was this week's comment of the week from the chat room? Uh, this week goes to MG5904 at 8.22 hours in the PM. Full disclosure, <laughs> Hamilton fan, have a cat named after him, Cat Emoji. Cat Emoji. What, did he write Cat Emoji or there was a Cat Emoji? There was an emoji with a cat. Comment of the week. 
guys, 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 you're getting it all wrong. Who got it all wrong this week? Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna make, you're gonna make me pick. I got. Oh, there's so much to think about. So many people got it very, very wrong. But Botas at the end of the day. Yes, Botas gets my vote as well. I was gonna go for Tr uh, Toro Rosso rear Jackman Ken. Oh, I'm gonna go for the Williams team for that uh, crazy strategy and hanging onto those mediums way too long. Vivian, who gets your wooden spoon? Yeah, that Toro Rosso Jackman, definitely. <laughs> okay, oh, and I won't bother going to you guys. Uh, please come and find us on iTunes, the Mixed Apex Podcast. We are now there. We're featuring in new and noteworthy podcasts. So some reviews, a five-star review, uh, make it amusing, uh, make it witty, uh, or taking the piss out of Matt's general appearance, and we can read it out on the podcast. Why not come and find us on Facebook and join the Closed Missed Apex Facebook group? There are 44 people in there right now. You could be the 45th. Ken, where can people find you? Uh, I'm at Twitter at VortexMotio. B-O-R-T-E-X-M-O-T-I-O. There's no R in there except in Vortex, my friends. Okay, then. And, uh, yeah, you know stuff about stuff and you're worth following. Vivian can be found on Honduran Radio, but uh, for most of us, you can find them on Twitter. Find you on Twitter at? At Vivian Bove, B-O-V-E. Tony, come on, people like you. Where can they go for more? Uh, I am on the Twitter, at A Dad's View. Uh, Facebook, just search for A Dad's View. I don't know a lot about a lot, unlike Vortex, but I post (laughs) generic people-pleasing things like pictures and memes. Pictures and memes. Everyone loves that. Matt, of course, people can catch you and me on E-Radio Show on Downforce Radio. What other work can you point them at? Well, you can find me, of course, on the Twitters at MattPT55, and you can look for my race reviews at thejudge13.com. Yeah, your race reviews are the best on the internet, so I do recommend that. Oh, we had a Toto Wolf on the line, but there are there is no time to take another call, so apologies to Toto. Until next time, wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. See you next time on Mist Apex. and re-emphasize many thanks to the chat room absolutely fantastic having you there it is actually a massive distraction even though tony's running i cannot help but have a look at what conversation is going on yeah they really put me through my paces yeah i don't think you did as well as you did last week with the increased volume because there was nothing else going on last week so it was pretty easy Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.